Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. I'm Mac McDonald. He is Ralph Sampson. His name is all over the place and especially on this show. So anyway, Ralph, welcome into another week. We got a lot of basketball to break down. We got a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about. So this is going to be a, a fun hour because I like to pick your brain about the draft. And of course, our good friend who has appeared on this show has a new job, apparently. Apparently, and we'll get into that in a minute. But definitely this time of year, June is always, you know, the NBA is usually over, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, season's over. You know, the draft is coming up and already done right now. Say so things are still a little bit late but still exciting uh, even in the NBA playoffs and the draft. So we can get into it and get down dirty and deep with it, especially with our our guy from UVA that's got a new job. Exactly. If you would imagine, I wonder, I wonder how much money, if you said, all right, it'll be the Suns and the Hawks in the, in the playoff. We didn't predict that. Did anybody predict that? I mean, no one, I mean, think about the odds makers at the beginning of the year, you know, that's predicting, that, oh, Brooklyn's going to be there or Milwaukee's going to be there. The Brian and Lakers or Denver or even Dallas would be there, but no one would predict that. So that tells you something, Mac, that the game is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, college basketball is changing. NBA is changing. So the evolution of the players, uh, as far as the one and dones and the elite players, now there's a whole other cast of characters like a, a Trey Young down in Atlanta that's showing what he can do and surprising everybody in the basketball world. Ralph, would you say the game is changing and maybe uh, I'll talk professional level first is the game changing for the better on the professional level. That's, that's to be determined. Like, you know, when you got the changing of the guards, like when it was, you know, the Julius Irving's of the world to the Elgin Bells of the world to the Maddie Johnson, Larry Bird's, uh, they had time of that era to the, the LeBron James and that era to the Kobe Bryant era, that era. There was always these iconic figures, right? Mm-hmm. Now think about when 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 LeBron James retires, you still got Kevin Durant. That's an iconic figure, but not maybe as big of a iconic as the LeBron James. You got uh, the Greek freak that can be an iconic figure, but he's still not LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant proved that in this year's playoffs by killing them as well. Although Milwaukee wins. And there's all these little players. You got Damon Lillard in Portland. Uh, you got Trey Young now in Atlanta. 
that are good players, but they're not iconic players yet. So you will see, in my opinion, shifts in the league where uh, Damon Lillard has got to come out of Portland and maybe go mm-hmm. to LeBron in, in, in uh, L.A. because you got to have L.A., Boston, L.A., New York. you got to have that rivalry over the years. Just remember when, you know, the Warriors and LeBron were playing in Cleveland and the Warriors. That was for a number of years. They're like, we don't want to see that again, but it was the hype. And anybody's been that way for years. You had Magic and Bird those mm-hmm. years. You had Michael and, you know, and, and, and that area as well. So it's changing. I think it's changing. I don't know if it's for the better or worse, but it's definitely glad to see some new blood that potentially will be in the finals. From the actual product too, uh, because, you know, like baseball, it's home runs and strikeouts. Now, uh, well, forget about the sticky stuff that's going on right now, but I mean, it's, yeah, home, runs and stri- it's home runs and strikeouts. The NBA seems to be threes and jams, you know, threes and drives. The mid-range game slowly disappearing. Does that hurt? From a fan standpoint, in your opinion, well, I mean, you know, NBA, it, the, the true basketball fan want to see the art of the game. You know, like I've been, you know, we did our camp first camp this week and mm-hmm. uh, math nut and telling kids what the art of the game is not the three. As soon as the kids get on the court, they want to shoot a three, and they don't know how to shoot. And Trey <laughs> Young and those kids are very rare. Steph Curry, they're very rare, right? So it's just hard to even explain those kids that way. Though for me, the art of basketball is not the same. You know, you run the lane. You, you, you make V cuts, you get open and you, you, there's, you have skill, but dribbling, you know, for two or three minutes and shooting the three up and hope it goes in. That's not a skill. That's not a skill. You know, and then, then you go down through the lane is wide open. I mean, think about it. I looked at Philadelphia play, you know, and they playing whatever. Joel and the bees, one of the biggest, strongest low post player in the league. And he doesn't get touches on the block. He's shooting threes. He's, he's fading away. I mean, he could have dominated the whole series that he played in, but right. they chose not to play him down there and consistently. I'd have coached him. I'd have said, Do you get your big tail down and we go throw you ball every time down the court? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you got the Simmons kid that's an all-star. He had five points, three points, and he's getting blasted now, Mac, on, on online and on his social media. Like, can we warn this kid or not? Well, you got to have somebody that can sit down and teach him how to shoot somewhere in his career. They knew he couldn't shoot at a high school or college. And now you're going to try to change his player up to try to make him shoot now. It's not going to happen. I, I just got to know. So are the kids mad at you that they can't just jack threes all during camp? I mean, you want, you'd like to teach them a couple of fundamentals, right? Well, you know, they, they, you know, they get their free time before I get there and they get their free time after I leave. But once <laughs> I tell them what to do in the beginning, it becomes a smooth running operation. So don't start shooting threes first. Start in close to the basket. Get your form shooting down, which the same thing we talked about, you know, a, a number of weeks ago as well with the form shooting and trying to make sure kids can shoot the ball the correct way. And they start to do it, and you can see it. And then when I walk in the gym, they're like, okay, he's here. So, you know, just, just for, let's make sure we do the right thing. So it's funny to watch. Yeah. All right. Good show uh, coming up because uh, our good friend is moving to Indiana for a nice little contract. That'll be my first tease. We'll talk about that. The NBA draft coming up the end of July. We're going to get into that. Also, a Cavalier who is, uh, you know, visiting the camps. And, uh, well, actually a couple that, that are in combines that are trying to make their way. Will they be second round choices? So anyway, Ralph and I will get into all of that. When we come back, stay with us. This is Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. The mission for the Samson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input. 
educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities. Your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Look, that was one of that was one of the great memories, you know, seeing seeing Dirk's reaction at the end of the game, you know, leaving leaving the floor and, and having having you know an emotional experience like he'd never had, and coming back out and you know all those kinds of things. Um, so amazing. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back to Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. I'm Matt McDonald. Ralph Sampson is here. We're going to dive into a lot of basketball issues, and we'll start with Rick Carlisle. Uh, what, it was a week ago, leaving Dallas. Ralph, I'm sure you've got kind of the insights to that, and accepting, well, he's going back to Indiana, going back to Hoosier land, $29 million, four-year contract, not a bad deal for Mr. Carlisle. And if that's not enough, reuniting with another Cavalier, as Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon is on the Pacers and Ralph's been texting him both. All right, your thoughts first about Dallas and Rick Carlisle and Rick Carlisle and the Indiana job. Well, Max, so when I heard the news that Rick was stepping down and still had a two-year agreement with Dallas Mavericks, and I know he and Mark Cuban are very close. Mm-hmm. I thought it was something health-wise or something had happened. I didn't know what had happened at that point in time. I text Rick, and he didn't text me back, like, what's going on? So – I figured it would come out and then it started to come out with rumors that he would may potentially go to Boston. Mm-hmm. And I know he, you know, he obviously played at Boston with Larry Bird and that crew as well. So maybe that was a with Danny Ainge and he'd go there and play. But also, you know, he coached Indiana as well with Larry being there. There was a GM, Rick was there. So I'm sure he got some relationships there in, in Boston. But, you know, if I look at it from a basketball perspective, Rick's been, he won a championship in Dallas. Um, they love him in Dallas. Mark Cuban, I know, loved him there. But after a certain time, you get kind of old and stale and your your coaching or your players get old and stale. I look for Dallas to revamp everything they're doing except for a few players. I think it's a great move for Rick because he goes back to somewhere he knows and loves and knows the ownership. If Larry's still around, he knows him as well. They'll build something special there. So the changing of the guard, is, it's probably time. But it's surprising that to me that he would go there, but also lucky that he goes there with Malcolm Brogdon being there. And hopefully he will look off him. I'm sure he will. But be able to build something special because the coach that was there, Nate McMillan, is now in the fi- in the finals at Eastern Conference. That was the coach at Indiana. So, you know, got to settle this thing down a little bit. Uh, and all teams that go through it. And Rick can, if anybody can do it, Rick can do it. He can build a good program there. Yeah, and being able to, uh, you know, build the winner. I know in his foot, what he was he was there from '03 to '07. He had the great first year. I think he won 61. Yeah, they won the Central, and he won 61 games, something like that. Anyway, this week, Stephen A. Smith reacted. Now, he's got a different point of view. He was hoping Rick Carlisle would land somewhere else. Here's Stephen A. You know, I've known Rick Carlisle for many years. Um, I think he's an exceptional coach. 
Um, I do think it was time for a new voice in Dallas. I think he knew that, which is why he departed. My personal opinion, I haven't had an opportunity to speak to him yet, Molly, about this, to congratulate him. I look at the roster, even though I like Sabonis a lot, and you got Brogdon, who I'm a fan of, and and Miles Turner, and now you got Karis LeVert. They've got some, they got some legitimate pieces on on Indiana that can make some noise. But championship caliber noise, I don't know if I see that. It remains to be seen. So what happened? I can understand why he would take that job. I certainly understand why they are hiring him uh, because he obviously used to coach there before and knows the town, knows the fan base, knows what it means to them the whole bit, and he was an assistant under Bird there as well. Uh, it's a great choice by the Indiana Pacers. I just like to see, you know, my buddy in a in a, in a better situation talent-wise in terms of having championship-caliber players. I like Brogdon a lot. I like Sabonis and all of them. Whether or not they can legitimately compete for a championship is my question mark about them right now. All right, that's Stephen A. Smith on ESPN uh, from last week. So, so Ralph, as we circle back, and talk, you mentioned Boston. I agreed when I, when I saw that Rick Carlisle was stepping down, uh, I, I thought Boston was a natural fit. He ends up back at Indiana. And as you pointed out, Larry Bird still got his fingers probably somewhere in that franchise. And he probably made the call says, Rick, you know, come on, we'll play golf and (laughs) we'll get it figured out. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Indiana will be a good fit because Rick's such a great teacher as well. Well, I don't know how that transaction went down. So I got a two-year agreement locked in, loaded with Mark Cuban. I mean, the mixture in the NBA is so powerful. And Larry, I think Larry, I mean, you're right, Max. Larry may have something to do with that. Rick, come. Mm-hmm. We got to get you out of your two, two-year agreement first. And maybe it's time. So something's going on. I, I'm waiting to see the coach of the Dallas Mavericks, who that may be, because it, it's time to change up. I get that as well. But Rick and, 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 and uh, what Stephen A. Smith has said, right, he doesn't have championship caliber players. And Indiana hadn't been a championship caliber player pretty much ever. They never won a championship. They won the ABA stuff like that, but they never won an right. NBA title. And maybe Rick can bring that title to Indiana. And Larry, I'm sure, wants to do that as well. And they have to, you know, they have to readjust. They'll go out to free agency. They must have a lot of salary uh, cap room. And they have the 13th pick in the draft. But, you know, 13th pick in the draft is – not, not going to be a great player, but it's going to be somebody they have to put on a team as a rookie, and they'll sign that player, I'm sure. But it's going to take them three or four years to even to get it done. And his four-year contract, he might get another one after that, Mike, for another $30 million. So yeah, yeah. we don't know yet, but it's time will tell. Time will definitely tell. Yeah, this is Center Court and the Winter Circle Network. Ralph Sampson and, and I kind of knocking down the draft and the Rick Carlisle hire in the move to Indiana. Well, when Rick had his exit interview on June 7th, he covered in 16 minutes, he covered a lot of things. And the Denver, uh, the Denver, the uh, Dallas championship run with Dirk Nowitzki and something that he knows that Dirk uh, deserved and something that he would remember for a long time. But as Rick said at the time, we're not celebrating 10 years ago. We're moving forward. Well, it established his legacy um, at a whole different level. Um, And really... You know, that, that series was won with one superstar. Um, you know, Jason Terry's a great player. Jason Kidd's a great player. Marion's a great player. Tyson Chandler was a great player for us. Um, but Dirk was the only superstar. And if you look at the history of championships during that period and going forward, um, there's almost always, you know, two 
superstars or two sort of MVP candidates. And so uh, if you look at it in that context, um, that accomplishment was at an even higher level. And so uh, and look, that was one of that was one of the great memories, you know, seeing seeing Dirk's reaction at the end of the game, you know, leave, leaving the floor and and having having you know an emotional experience like he'd never had, and coming back out and you know all those kinds of things. Um, so amazing, and I think the the ten year anniversary of it is coming up in what five days, five days or something like that. So. It's a good time to write a story about it, but I can assure, I can assure you this: we're looking forward. Um, you know, we're not uh, we're not an organization that's that's living in the past. So that was before he announced that he was leaving Dallas. And Ralph, just for the record, uh, that was his third year, that 2010-2011 season. That was Rick's third year, second in the Southwest. They won the NBA championship and had the great run, and uh, a lot of I mean, just a lot of really good. Uh, years, you know, following that, but um, uh, you know, they had, he had like four out of five years. They lost in the first round. He missed the playoffs from 2016 to 2019, three years in a row. And then uh, the last couple of years, they also lost in the first round. It's not an easy place to be in the NBA playoffs. And nobody knows that better than you, because once you get there, it's tough. It's just tough now for the, I mean, look, we were just talking about Suns, right? Suns Hawks. If they end up in the final, I mean, this is this is brand new territory. Well, Rick mentioned a couple of points. One is he, he didn't, and maybe he was just crying because he didn't have two 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 earmark players, or he did a, a heck of a coaching job, right? Doug Nowitzki is a Hall of Fame player for sure, and they just they just jailed at the team, got the right players together at the right time, and things worked out. They couldn't sustain that the next year uh, just because of whatever reason, and that's hard to do. You look at the Atlanta Hawks right now. Again, they were out of the playoffs early on. They got in the playoffs, and now look what they're doing. They don't have a LeBron James or, uh, you know, a, 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 a caliber player. Trey Young is approaching that. Right. But they don't have any – but they play together. And they are proven if you can play together. And things happen at the right time. You can do it. Look at look at uh, Brooklyn, right? They had three Hall of Fame players on that team. And uh, injuries prevail. Uh, Harden said in his press conference, basically, you know, something happens to me every year in the playoffs. He can't get out of the second round. Uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, he, he only went to the playoffs with LeBron James and won. He had not been past the second round without, you know, uh, mm -hmm. LeBron James as well. So what Rick said there, he needs a, a couple of good players. So think about that going to Indiana. He's going to need some earmarked players or Hall of Fame players to even compete is what he's saying. But think about it as well. He made that statement that we were moving forward in the future, either knowing or not knowing that he was going somewhere else, right? So he left a good situation, going to a great situation, and he didn't want to burn a bridge there. So he can run for office, I'm sure. He, he could be a good politician. He could be a good politician. There are other coaches Indiana might have looked at that I don't know that other franchises necessarily they would have had gotten into a bidding war for him. The fact, to your point, that they paid him what they did lead you to believe that they knew that there were going to be other bids for his service and so therefore it becomes a splash this is center court presented by the winner's circle network in association with the samson family foundation
Welcome back in the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court, Ralph Sampson and Mac McDonald. Good to have you along. And we're uh, kind of breaking down the NBA. We'll talk about the draft in a second. Detroit, of course, won uh, the uh, first pick, and they're going to pick the kid out of uh, Oklahoma State. And Ralph and I will uh, discuss that in a minute. We, we're talking about uh, Rick Carlisle and everything going on there. We'll get back to that story in a second, too. So, so it's Ralph's franchise. Uh, he moves to Honolulu. It's called the Hawaii <laughs> Five O's. You know, you to, go. <laughs> to go with another bad city to have one. His, his number that he had carried. All right. So the uh, Hawaii Five O's, they're in the NBA. Ralph has been, you've got to build a winner. How do you draft? What's the formula? As you just heard Rick talking about, you need two franchise players, not just one to win. So, Ralph, how do you build your championship team? Well, first, I will look at our current roster and see how many roster spots we have because you also got to build not only from free agency, but also through the draft. Mm -hmm. So Rick is going to go there and do that. So if I had uh, the likes of a couple of good players that I thought could be great players, I would get on them immediately and start developing their game all summer long. And then I would try to fill my spots in through free agency, get a couple guys that may be older, they can sit there and tell the young kids how to play that may have a one year, two year contract. So I don't have to leave them around for, you know, four or five years and pay them a lot of money. And then I would either go through the draft. I would look at the, at the draft and evaluate, are there any players on there that are one capable to come in and start mm -hmm. and be an impact player Two, are there any players that can be developed or anybody that may be a hall of fame player and three, can they be an impact player right now in the locker room or on the bench or whatever? What kind of players are there in that draft? So I would scrub the draft. I would scrub the uh, free agency world and I would develop my current players to be better players. And then I would have a three-year plan as to kind of getting to the playoffs. And then another couple year plan to get into the finals and winning it all, but also a plan to sustain it. It takes a while. You see Rick, yeah. you know, they, they were there for a while and then yeah, three years. Well, took three years and then you know it hadn't been back you know at all because it's hard to do that with players and contracts so you got to know contracts in the nba and you got to make sure you you you're able to get those contracts but you got to you know nba you got to spend the money anyway you get fined through the nba if you don't spend your salary cap you know it goes back in the kit so you got to spend the money no matter what but if you get locked into long-term contracts and the player's not good then you're stuck so you got to go in and make sure that you are able to manage that first. And you got to have a good team behind you in the office that no contracts and no salary cap, mm -hmm. that know all the ins and outs. And you have a draft board, you have all this, and you, you find a recipe and you make it work. When you were drafted uh, number one, that, that, you know, that spring of uh, uh, the spring of 83, the summer of 83, um, what was the Houston plan? when you went in and as you start, and by the way, maybe second part to that question, did you know for sure that Houston was taking you first? No doubt going yeah. in. That, that my senior year, I knew no doubt Houston was first. That was, you know, you know, previous year with the coin flip, right? I didn't know right. anything about it until the coin flip. So as a, as a senior at UVA, <clears throat> I knew Houston was going to get the pick. So you knew early. During I knew early. Okay. All and right. they had, because they had traded, uh, the great Moses Malone to Philadelphia when Philadelphia won the championship with Julius Irving, right. Mark Alvaroni and the crew, right? So I knew they had the solid number one pick when I was, even before the season was over, I knew I was going to Houston. 
uh, you know, as long as anything didn't happen crazy, but I knew that going in. And if you see the the uh, likes of the, uh, the, uh, the the video of the of the draft that year, and, and they, uh, Mr. O'Brien was saying, oh, we have a surprise. Uh, the Houston Rockets select Ralph Sampson. So it was like every year that I was in school that they would have that surprise. So I knew I was going there. And I knew that, you know, when you're the number one pick, you go to the bad team, you know, go team that's not any good and whatever may be the likes of the team. But I knew after I looked at the roster, I knew I had the likes of a lot of good Wiley veterans, Elvin Hayes, Caldwell mm-hmm. Jones, Calvin Murphy, Major Jones, Allen Level, and Mac, Wally Walker was on that team. Yeah, I remember that. So I knew I had some stabilized guys, right? And Wally took me on his wing when I first got there. Maybe I understand a lot of stuff as well. But I knew how to cast the characters, but I didn't know how good we would be. Mm-hmm. And then we end up, uh, you know, understanding the politics. So those guys would tell me everything of the league. I told a story to somebody the other day that my last regular season game of my rookie season, Elvin Hayes is getting ready to retire, right? Mm-hmm. And they un- maybe understand contracts in the league. Elvin needed so many minutes to get his 200 and some thousand, whatever bonus he was getting in his contract. So we knew that going in. So I was, they were tanking games. And I was like, well, I'm not playing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm on the play. Oh, that, that, whatever. So I started to understand it. So when they made me understand it, our last game, Elvin needed like, 10, 15, 20 minutes to play to get his money. So the first first series now, whatever, I like twist my ankle, right? Okay, whatever I did. So Elwood can play. Right. So they didn't get his bonus, they didn't give his money so he can get it done. So those things happen. And then we go into the draft and we get the number one pick again. And that's how we got a Kim Olajuwon. So it is political. Uh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say it, but there, there is such thing as tanking games, I'm sure, or not playing your sure. star players. Because uh, you want a position for the draft, and then you got to make adjustments as how you get that number one pick uh, through your draft lottery or through your draft picks, and you bank those for years, and then you trade, and that's the way you get your free agent players. As you were stepping into the franchise and knowing that you were going to Houston, did they feel? Uh, did they comply? Did they feel compelled to lay out the plan for you? In other words, whether it was a three-year plan, four-year plan, whatever it was. Did they communicate with you on what they were doing and why? Not, not as a rookie, um, because you come in, you know, like Christmas is just kind of, you know, your eyes are filled with glitter and you want to play and you're there and mm-hmm. having enjoying fun. But the second year I went there when they said, Oh, we, uh, can we, we want to draft the Kimalaj and move you to forward and create this twin tower thing. I said, Great, I would like to do that because the pound you take in the, in the post is, is tough and the king can play that with his back to his basket. Mm-hmm. Then after that, uh, because we we had a pretty good team, uh, we revamped everybody on the team. We got all new players. I mean, all the guys I mentioned, the, you know, the Calvin Murphy and those guys, they have retired or moved on. Uh, Calvin Jones moved on. And stuff. So we had a whole new team. And we felt that we had a good enough team to, one, make the playoffs, and but two, compete. And as the article goes out in uh, my rookie year and in my second year, I just wanted us to turn us loose, let mm-hmm. us play. But Bill Fish, the coach, had a three-year plan. You know, first year, and it's kind of a watch with Ralph Sampson, rookie year. Second year, we get a Kim one, which is unknown because of the draft lottery. Right. Third year, we mesh, and fourth year, we go to the championship. I felt in our third, my third year, Kim's second year, we could have, if they just turned us loose, 
then we'd have been fine. But he wanted to control. Think about it. the days game, Mac, hmm. and old school coaches. We had to call a play every time down the court, generally, <laughs> unless we were fast breaking. Ain't no plays called right now. Well, what, what, what do you think? You're an NFL franchise. <laughs> exactly. Every play down the down the court, I'm like, oh my gosh, just let us go. You know, slow it down. Call this play. Call that play. I mean, think about it now. You got Steph Curry coming to half court to shoot the ball. That's yeah, not a play. Yeah. That's, that's no play. That's in nobody's playbook. Yeah. So the game has changed for sure. Oh, for sure. All right. Getting back to Rick Carlisle before we go to break, of course. And uh, if you just joined us, uh, Rick being hired by Indiana a couple of days ago, a few days ago, and uh, you know, getting a nice contract. Well, what's the reaction in in and around Indianapolis uh, where the Pacers are? And of course, what's the reaction? Jake Query does a radio show there. He calls the Rick Carlisle hire and the return to the Pacers a splash hire. When Rick Carlisle was first, you know, he was an assistant under Larry Bird. And then when they had an opening, when Bird left, and I believe Donnie Walsh at that time bypassed Carlisle and went with Isaiah Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong in my chronology there, but I think that's right. But I know that Carlisle, there was an opportunity for Rick Carlisle to be the head coach here the first go-round, and he did not get it. And at that time, the Pacers brass felt like Carlisle was going to be a very good head coach, but that at that time, they it would have done him a disservice because they didn't have a roster that was ready to go just then. And so he wouldn't have had immediate success and it just wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have worked out. And it, a first opportunity for him was going to come in a better situation for a first year head coach. Then he was brought here and obviously found success and, you know, coached a 60-win season and other such things. So I think that that they feel like, you know, he has now not only left the nest and gone off to do great things, but he's coming home now having learned everything he needs to have learned, including winning a championship. He is a championship-level coach. I think he was the best coach of those that were going to be available. I mean, Terry Stotts is a good coach. I think Rick Carlisle is a very good coach. And I think Rick Carlisle is the type that can win with different personnel sets. I think there are other – I'll put it to you this way, John. There are other franchises that would have loved to have had Rick Carlisle. There are other coaches Indiana might have looked at that I don't know that other franchises necessarily they would have gotten into a bidding war for him. The fact, to your point, that they paid him what they did – lead you to believe that they knew that there were going to be other bids for his service. And so therefore it becomes a splash. There you go. Splash hire. Ralph, you agree. That's a uh, Jake query, by the way, who uh, covers Indy car racing. He's got a radio show uh, in Indianapolis. And he, you know, when asked about being a splash hire, do you agree? A splash hire? Yeah, I do. Hire? I mean, Rick, Rick's a uh, intelligent, high caliber guy. It's definitely a splash for the, the Pacers and the history there. That he was with Larry, uh, didn't get the job. Isaiah got it before because Isaiah ties to the owners and or the Indiana area. And then coming back home is really what it is. I mean, I thought home would be Boston, but it, with what he's done and Larry Bird, you know, has been around him, I'm sure they're still great friends. It, it, it I think it sets the tone for Indiana and what the league and Indiana can do and potentially bring a championship to Indiana with Rick Carlisle there. The second pick will be made by 
the Houston Rockets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Building a game plan for life. It's basketball and beyond. We return to center court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Welcome back to the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court. Mac McDonald, Ralph Sampson, and uh, just a, a lot to cover. Uh, if you just joined us, we were talking about Rick Carlisle going to Indiana. Of course, the NBA draft is coming up the end of July, which will be on the uh, 29th. And um, Ralph, with the Detroit Pistons scoring um, the, I guess what they call it is franchise altering, I think are the words used uh, on lottery night, uh, getting the number one pick, pretty big deal right well i mean getting the pick is a big deal but also depending upon who you get but with that number one pick that's mm-hmm. uh, any good i mean think about a couple of years ago cleveland got the number one pick and they had the guy named bennett that never panned out right he's there he never panned so you can go back over the history of that and i'm begging by who was the number one pick last year so it's it's very short-lived who the number one pick is every year you get this hype and you can think about who's the number one pick but nine times out of 10, people don't remember number one picks the year, even the next year, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, it was Zion. Uh, went from Duke, okay, number one pick. Okay, you know where he is. But those are very rare that you get a college player that's any good to become the number one pick and still have the hype that he has in the NBA. Right. Zion was probably the last one to have that. And, you know, Anthony Davis was one, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, there's a whole host of characters this year. But I don't know – because of their ability to play at the next level and then what they play at the college level, if they ain't going to be any good at all. What I do know, Mac, is that since they are not a one and done, that they will be a solid player and ready mentally and physically for the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they'll be Hall of Fame players. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so much, yeah, so much has to happen. That's a difficult journey to predict for sure. Cade Cunningham was a 6'8 guy. Uh, the Pistons have had very little offense, but they're saying that Cunningham is is going to, you know, take some pressure off of uh, uh, what was it, Killian Hayes, um, and uh, he'll move probably to the two, and that'll make a, a big difference. Cunningham had a great run in the NCAA tournament, so if Detroit does go that way, which all indications are, then Cunningham can be. I mean, who who has a six eight? point guard now i mean you know it just i know that was the day of the magic johnson and so great so i mean i don't know if can, can do anything as, as a guard like that but i mean they have to think about it you know the, the pistons get rid of blake griffin so they cleared the space before they even had to pick mac they knew right. they potentially could get to pick so they was cleaning the house before they got it so i don't know if they had a magic wanting thing that knew they were gonna get that <laughs> and, and and you know and my, my, my houston rockets number two pick they just basically tank the rest of the season, and who knows who they're gonna take. They get rid of uh, Harden, and you know they get rid of everybody basically, and have picks. So they they starting all over. So we'll see what happens. Cleveland has the third. Toronto. I mean, Toronto a couple of years ago was in the final, won, won a championship with Kawhi Leonard and the group, and now they're in the lottery at number four. So yeah. that's how quick this thing can turn. Yeah. Now Evan Mobley, USC. You yep. gotta like his game, right? And you know he he's a big guy inside that can do a lot. So you gotta you gotta like Mobley, right? Going to the Rockets. Well, I like him, but uh, you know the Rockets got rid of their center that's playing now with the Hawks. That's that's got them in the, in the, in, the, in the recent West uh-huh. Eastern Conference Finals, right? So you get rid of a guy. The offense is really weak, whatever. And this Mobley kid is six foot eleven. He's not bad, 
He's got some upside, but he's not going to be an impact player coming to the Rockets because they don't have anybody around that can play. Right. In my opinion right now. Um, Gonzaga will have a couple of kids in the draft, you know, and God, they were so, they were so good. Is Jalen Suggs worth a top four pick? I think he is. I think he's, uh, uh, because he, he had a, you know, he had that, what is called a high motor. Now he might be slower foot, just not, but he has a high motor. He has a, he has a mentally tough skill set for the game of basketball and he was well coached in college. So he's the type of player that, that people want. You remember the guy, you know, that at, at Wisconsin and these other players that played in there and went to the Charlotte. I'm trying to remember his name at this point in time. But he's the type of player that's well coached, has got good size, knows the game of basketball, has a passion to play, and he'll 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 do well at any one of these teams. But again, he won't be the all-star that you need to play to build a franchise. Yeah. With uh and before I, I talk to you about uh Jalen Green as a G Leaguer, I want to ask you about the G league. And if you feel that it is working for the NBA and especially for the guys who want to come out of school, the one and done. Well, it's a great tool to develop your game. You'll see, I think more G league players drafted this year than, uh-huh. than most because of the situation in the league and in college basketball. And so it's a great avenue for players to continue to play their game, but typically no guys are really caught up that much that can stick in the NBA because of the G League for whatever reason. The NBA does a, a great job as you know, evaluating players, evaluating talent, getting their mental capabilities, their physical capabilities. So there's very few in history of that that will become an NBA player from the G League, but I'm sure glad they have it because it gives the kids a chance to go play as well, but maybe also go overseas as well. Yeah, and a couple of G Leaguers will probably go four and five. Jalen Green to Toronto, at least that's the prediction right now. The Magic will pick at five. Jonathan Kaminga, uh, who's also a G, a G League player, and uh, so you know, with that, when so you got Cunningham, Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. If they're off yes. the board, then the Orlando Magic will have to look at Jonathan Kaminga. I would think Scotty Barnes is there, Jalen Johnson, some guys uh, yep. that they could. So uh, it they say in this whole draft thing, a perceived gap between four and five could also lead Orlando to to look at some trade possibilities as, as well you know trying to find a coach and trying to figure out what they're you know what they they really want to do but that's going to be one situation to kind of watch as we get closer and then the Oklahoma City Thunder uh it's good to see an ACC guy on the board because Scotty Barnes from Florida State had yep. a wonderful yep. wonderful what a, what a crazy year great year yeah, yeah. Florida, State, Florida State got some horses with coach uh Leonard Hamilton down there so he's done a great job he's got a new contract as well I, you know, I talked to him once a long time ago. I said, you get a new contract. I mean, you in your early 70s, you got another five-year contract. He said, I'm a coach today <laughs> to take me off the court. But there will be some trades and there will be some, some situations. To, always in a, in a draft, there's somebody's going to readjust for a player that they want. It's always going to happen. Yeah, and just uh, and, and Scotty Barnes, he's he's 6'7 in his sock feet. He's got yeah. a 7'2 wingspan, 225 pounds. And this is a playmaking forward. This is a guy who can actually play. And I, I loved watching him this year. Well, a Virginia Cavalier who's predicted to go in the second round. And I thought, yeah, maybe Sam could slip into the first, but maybe not. Sam Hauser, good shooter, maybe a little weak on defense. But they had a special Zoom invitation with people that, you know, signed up. And we had a chance to go one-on-one with Sam Hauser talking about he, he had just worked out with the Warriors. Yeah. And so what it's like to be in a workout and – did Tony Bennett give him any advice? Here's Sam Hauser. 
Sam, thank you for your time and congratulations on your your days with uh, the University of Virginia. You really uh, you really helped the program for sure. How much did Marcus Howard, your former Marquette teammate, help you going into the draft? Um, you know, I haven't really talked to him in a while, so um, I was kind of just coming in here, getting my feet wet. Um, didn't know exactly what to expect. I had a feeling they were going to test the conditioning in my legs and kind of found that out today. And um, But it was good to get the first one under my belt. And, um, yeah, we'll keep it going from here. As you were going through the Warriors workout, who impressed you? I mean, to be honest, each and every guy played pretty well, in my opinion. Um, every guy came out aggressive. Uh, everybody competed, and that's kind of what they want to see out of us. And I thought we all did that very well today. From the Golden State Warriors staff, who attended? You know, I glanced up there before the workout started just for a brief moment. Um, it looked like a majority of their front office was there and coaching staff as well. So um, definitely good to have a lot of eyes uh, on today's workout. Um, it's It was all of our first, and it was their first uh, in this building. So it was definitely cool to be a part of this one. And um, it, was, it was some good work today, for sure. Sam, what were the workouts like? Uh, game situations, individual drills. What did the Warriors put in front of you? It seemed, I mean, they had their, their list of drills that we were going to do, but it felt like a good, normal basketball workout. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, three-on-three, two-on-two, one-on-ones, all that, kind of what you expect coming into these. So uh, it was good. Sam, as you prepare for the NBA draft, what strengths do you bring to the table? Uh, I feel like my shooting uh, speaks for itself. I feel like I've done that very consistently over my four years in college basketball and um, thought I shot it decently today, but I, I feel like I can be a floor spacer and um, knock down shots when I, when I get the opportunity, and um, I think that can translate real well to the next level. What kind of feedback did the Warriors give you on what you should be working on? In other words, maybe some things that you need to improve on. Yeah, I think overall um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think um, I, I improved on that end throughout this year. But obviously going to the next level, each and every guy is that much better. So definitely got to take it up a notch and um, just keep working at it and get better. Our guest is former Cavalier Sam Hauser. Sam, speaking of which and being at the University of Virginia, what was your relationship like with Tony Bennett? Yeah, um, you know, Coach Bennett has been a blessing in my life uh, for the last two years. Um, I can turn to him to talk about anything, uh, you know, basketball-related, off-the-court stuff, uh, anything really. And um, definitely going to be someone in my corner for the rest of my life, which I'm very grateful to have because he's a very genuine man and uh, he's very authentic. And, um, yeah, he's just, he's just a stand-up guy. And I'm blessed that I was able to be around him and be coached by him for the last two years. As you were going through games and practices at UVA, working out on the grounds with all your guys, did Tony Bennett talk to you about the next level? Did he give you some guidance on fundamentals and maybe what you should be working on? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really specifically talk about the next level, but it was he's more of like a here and now type of coach. Like, you know, he'd pull me over if I if I was struggling shooting and he'd give me a little, you know, helpful tip or, you know, um, on the defensive end, you know, I mean, things just like on the fly, he was good at that. And I can't give you any like specific examples, but it just kind of happens sometimes. Great to catch up with Sam Hauser, a really solid guy. Ralph uh, could be, you know, a second rounder. And I know you've been following Jay Huff because he's a big man. He's been down in Charlotte. So anyway, a couple of local kids have a chance to, uh, you know, maybe make a splash in the second round. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, again, and kudos to Tony Bennett. I mean, that man right there has done an amazing job at UVA, and I hope they sign, how we say, sign him for life. But I'm sure that uh, Mr. Howard would have said, if I had came there from the beginning, mm -hmm. how much better would I be today? Now, he got two years. that to sit out a year. He played a year. But then the whole COVID thing happened, right? So it's just a whole uh, situation there. Even with Jay Huff, I mean, I feel sorry for him because of the two years and whatever. But he's in Charlotte. And uh, I see him on Instagram and talk to him every now and then through that. But he's doing very well. But Sam had the chance to play. And he hit it the hell on the, on the head when he says, well, he knows his defense is not quite good enough. But it's not his defense. It's his foot speed. Yeah. So if he can understand, I mean, Larry Bird, foot speed wasn't great. He couldn't jump that high, right? But he knew the game, right? So if, if Tony Bennett can help him in any way and teach him the game, which I'm sure he has done defensively, and he used those same principles and rules that Tony taught him, he's going to be a really good player in the NBA. He can shoot the ball. He's smart. He hustles. You know, NBA is not a tough league as far as physical anymore. Mm -hmm. But Sam can play very well, he's, but he's got to get with the right team, and that's going to be the key. Yeah. One score from this week, Supreme Court nine, NCAA nothing. Ralph and I <laughs> talk about what happened last week when we come back on Center Court. This is the Winner's Circle Network. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sports casting, I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back in the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court. As I said, the tease, Supreme Court 9, NCAA nothing. That was a big score from Monday. The Austin case uh, that, you know, in the opinion by Neil Gorsh, it said, look, we got to give these guys educational money. We got to give them an educational support to give it, you know, giving athletes a, a little bit of a break here. So they unanimously ruled that the National Collegiate Athletic Association cannot prohibit its member schools from providing athletes with certain forms of education-related benefits, such as paid postgraduate internships, scholarships for graduate school, free laptops, and I love this, musical instruments. Think about it. Huh? What, yeah. what, what musical instrument I'm going to play, Mac? Come on. <laughs> what is that? Gonna, so, Stick, does that lead to, indirectly, name image likeness? Are we on that path now? I think we're on that path, but I mean, those things that they just ruled on should have been done a long time ago anyway. I mean, uh -huh. you know, a computer, come on, they, they, they got computers anyway. Uh, you know, postgraduate degrees, okay, that, that should be something as well. But, you know, I always say they should level playing field. And, and, and NCAA says student athlete. I, let me be a regular student that I get the regular student perks as well. 
but I'm an athlete without I'm highlighting university. I'm bringing money to university as well. Right. But I don't get the perks. Why can't a company recruit a kid to play that that plays actually and go to their company in their third year like a normal student can do? Why can't a kid get a minimum wage job somewhere in the summertime or get a job to make a minimum wage? You can track that stuff like a normal student can. Sure, sure. That levels the playing field. We know we're bringing plenty of money into the university. Okay, okay, we get that. Millions and billions of dollars, whatever it be. We, everybody gets that. So this name and likely will happen. And Mac, it's going to be a free-for-all. The NCAA will have a hard time claiming the status of these athletes being amateur. Yeah, I totally It's going to be a hard time. No. And so if they don't do anything about it, it could be a hard time when they do something. Now you got the Supreme Court on you trying to get it done. It's going to have a lot of power. The ruling still is I mean, it's going to have a lot of power in the student world, the universities. The problem is each university have their own state rules and things may change. So I'm looking forward to early July when this thing is really going to come to fruition and see what's said. <laughs> and we'll see how it goes after that. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll just common sense. That I mean, just is common uh, sense. Exactly. We'll have a lot more on that as we continue. That's the Winner's Circle Network, and that's Center Court for this week. Have a great one. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.